On this episode of the Beards for Radio podcast, brought to you by Farbar.com, Sasha and Joe discuss the new quarterback in East Lansing, it's Rocky Lombardi, and we talk about the win over Purdue for Michigan State. Also, a preview of Michigan's upcoming game versus Penn State, and the Lions' loss to the Seahawks and the trade they made afterwards, and what we think of it. Also, there's going to be a new Pirates of the Caribbean but it's not a sequel, it's a reboot, and they're going full reboot with this one. This is another episode of Beards for Radio. Beards for Radio. Sasha, how's it going, man? Joe, how's it going, baby? It's all good. Wait. Hey, welcome everybody to Beards for Radio. Got a good uh, uh, show here for you. We're talking about Lions. We're talking Seahawks, Golden Tate trade, Johnny Depp getting departed from the um, Pirates of Caribbean franchise under the Disney banner. We're going to look ahead to Michigan and um, but the uh, Penn State. But first, we're going to talk about something near to dear Joe's heart. That's uh Michigan State versus Purdue. Now, they won 23-13. Uh, Rocky Lombardi started over Lewerke. He did pretty good, 26 for 46, 316 yards, two touchdowns, hit nine different receivers. Uh, two of those uh, touchdowns going to uh, Jalen Naylor and Daryl Stewart. Defense picked off uh, David Bluh three times. He went 29 for 49, 277 yards, no touchdowns. Um, and that's pretty much the you know big stat lines that I saw I didn't watch the game I'm just kind of going off paper now Joe right, right. watched the game so could you you could give us a little bit of insight than I did but I from what I saw I felt like the I looked at what I deduced is that the defenses both defenses kind of somewhat shut down the run and the big stat line was Rocky Lombardi and his pretty much good playing hit nine different wide receivers but you you elaborate a little further yeah, I was actually at the game. Um, it was kind of a different energy in the stadium than uh, in the first game I went to this year. You know, obviously with the quarterback making his first start, you know, obviously we don't want to see anybody get hurt, especially Lewerke. We all love Lewerke. Um, yeah, you mentioned the defense. I want to mention those stats first because uh, I've kind of been letting this stew in my brain the last week. Um Look, Purdue, they're a big play team, and they've been averaging 40 points plus uh, since they started winning games. Obviously, they got off to the rough start 0-3. But, you know, the defense for Michigan State allowed very few big plays. Um, Like I said, to an offense that thrives on big plays. Michigan State allowed a 36-yard run, a 39-yard, and a 30-yard pass. Those were the big plays for Purdue. Obviously, you don't want to see any of those, but Purdue is is averaging like five plus of those a game. If you can hold that offense to three big plays per game, that's huge, especially containing Rondale Moore, the super freshman, uh, 11 catches for 74 yards. Yeah, that's a nice stat line, but when you look at what he's done consistently throughout the year and look at the fact that his longest play versus Michigan State was 18 yards, that, that might be the thing I'm most impressed about from Saturday's game. Uh, and they weren't just big. Like, they came up big in crunch time. They had three interceptions, two blocked field goals, and a sack. Like to see them get more sacks, but 
I understand the type of Purdue, the type of offense Purdue runs is a very kind of quick hitting, you know? Right. But uh, the last five defensive possessions for Michigan State, all in the fourth quarter, had an interception, a fourth down stop, a blocked field goal, and an interception. Interception, fourth down stop. No, last four, last four possessions, my bad. But all in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, so that's that's the defense. You know, they limited big plays and they made takeaways. Um, not just t- like when you limit an offense, that's one thing, but when you create turnovers and block field goals and stop on fourth down, it doesn't just get you the ball back. It's not like receiving a punt. That turns momentum around and you can feel it in the game. You can feel it in the stadium when a big play happens, like a turnover, blocked field goal. It changes the mindset of the the fans in the stand if it's a if it's a home game and the offense about to take the field. It changes everything. So really to have six takeaways, you know, three interceptions, two blocked field goals, fourth down stop, that's huge. I thought, you know, it, it if any one of those plays doesn't happen, it could change the game altogether. And it all happened at, at very timely points in the game. So lots of credit to Michigan State's defense. As as with every game this season, aside from the Utah State game, I thought they were the better unit on the field, the best unit on the field. Um, and you know, getting to the offense, it's it might be Rocky time in East Lansing. We'll get to that. I thought the play calling. For once, I had no issues with it. It was simplified for a new QB, but at the same time, it was more aggressive. So it was kind of an interesting mix that um, I've heard it referred to as a Tech Mobile playbook the last week or so, but it was still more aggressive than what we've seen. Like you said, uh, Lombardi, where are his stats? 46 pass attempts for somebody who had, I think, five pass attempts on his career coming in. So... I was, I was very happy with that. They went for it on fourth downs in no man's land. By no man's land, I mean between the 40-yard lines. I think that's big, mainly because, you know, not only is their starting punter out for the season, their backup punter is out for the season. So I think you're going to see Michigan State go for it a lot more on fourth down between the 40s, um, you know, with the relative. The only thing I, I, I can take away negatively for the offense is I need to see more Jalen Naylor. Uh, I think he's a big play magnet. He can be a huge asset. And, you know, he plays in an offense that's kind of void of big plays and playmakers. No Felton Davis. Uh, Cody White might come back this week, but we don't know how healthy he's going to be when he does return for Michigan State. Right. You know, they've just been banged up all across the offense. Getting Jalen Naylor back and healthy. Um, if you saw if you saw his uh, touchdown catch, technically a, technically a touchdown catch on Saturday – you know, it was electric. He's somebody that can make something out of nothing, and his vision is very different from the vision that all of the other wide receivers and playmakers have on the offense. And then, um, yeah, Rocky not only um, had 318 yards and two touchdowns, no turnovers I thought was huge. Um, 11 rushes for 22 yards. Uh, I might, I might want to see a little less carries for a running for a quarterback in his first in his first. Uh, start at Michigan State. He had the second most carries on the team behind LJ Scott, who had 15. Um, yeah, overall for the offense, no turnovers except for a muffed punt in the first quarter. And um, again, they responded to a loss with a win. They haven't lost two in a row since 2016. And um, 
Yeah, looking ahead to the game on Saturday against Maryland, Mark D'Antonio says Cody White could play. Josiah Scott could play on defense. That could be huge for That, that could be big. That could yeah. be really big. Because Justin Lane has been pulling double duty. Not only is he playing every snap at corner, he's been the last two weeks lining up at wide receiver at times too. So if you get Cody White back, that takes away from his wide receiver duties. If you get Josiah Scott back, it really helps Justin Lane out in the secondary. So that, that could be a huge load off Justin Lane's shoulders. Um, and it comes down, I think, to uh, Maryland's run game versus Michigan State's run defense. Maryland averages 246 rushing yards per game, good for 11th in the country. Obviously, uh, Michigan State, their running defense has been highly touted throughout the year. Um, you know. And uh, I think I think we will see Rocky Lombardi start again on Saturday tomorrow against Maryland, mainly because with the performance he turned in, it it allows time for Lewerke to heal. Like if Lombardi went out and just had a a terrible game, terrible stat line, didn't respond well in situations, didn't step up where his teammates needed him to, you know, you might see Lewerke get rushed back into playing when he's not completely healthy. Um, so yeah, I think it's big that Rocky had the game. He did not like his stats weren't just good. He has a very nice arm. I think that's the biggest positive for him. If you were to look at it as Lombardi versus Lewerke, which I'm not ready for yet. His arm, I think is a lot better than Lewerke's arm. He's a bigger guy. He's a, a, he was a wrestler in high school, which I think is awesome to have your quarterback be a wrestler. Um, yeah, we'll see it. Now Maryland has tape on him. We'll see if he can respond on the road in a conference game. Um, to me, there's no quarterback controversy in East Lansing. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when Lewerke's healthy, it's his job until proven otherwise. Uh, to me, the biggest quarterback controversy is uh, Brian Lewerke's hair versus Rocky Lombardi's hair. Well, seeing that, like, I'm kind of – uh, remember the Titans fan, and you know what was the quarterback's name? What do they call him? Sunshine? Is that, is that what they call him in that movie? Sunshine. Right. So, like, I'm 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 more of a fan of a quarterback looking like a sunshine opposed to looking like I don't know a skinny jean hipster. But it, that's just <laughs> me. Or 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 really, he looks like freaking Gary Oldman in Fifth Element. You ever see that? You know, so it's just like, yeah, he could, he could, he could have pulled him off uh, for Halloween. To be honest with you, but yeah, dude, those are all good assessments on Michigan State. Um, I, I, I didn't really watch Rocky Lombardi play. I kind of watched him on the tail end of the the game before that, and they put him in, and he kind of, you know, looked a little energized. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I get it, but hey, if he's not healthy, you know, it, it's awesome that they're that they're actually starting to get. Rocky acclimated into the offense, whether it be a, a Tecmo Bowl type playbook or not, you know, at least they're getting the kid reps, um, you know, because Lewerke's not going to be there forever. And who knows if Lewerke is going to be the Lewerke from last year. So, nah, good. I think, I think overall it is better for Lewerke that Lombardi performs well. Because if you go into the summer and it's not, the job's not going to be just handed to Lewerke and he has to actually out-earn Rocky Lombardi, I think that's overall better, you know? Yeah, most definitely. 
gotta get gotta get a kid exposure you know and um you know it's football injuries happen stuff happens all the time so you know it's it's good to keep everybody you know you know ready and you know up to date yeah and you know um it was just one game against purdue but it seemed like a different just atmosphere you know it looked like he was having a lot of fun out on the field uh rocky and it led to the team looking like they had a lot of fun you know even on the defensive side you had a uh, tyreek thompson getting an interception and uh pulling out the air guitar with um with kari willis you know uh rocky lombardi running ahead of jalen naylor uh on his touchdown catch i guess it's technically a touchdown catch but really it was a run um, you know, it was one of those type of plays, right. you know, and they're high-fiving fans. It, and, uh, you know, when the offense is taking the field, Spartan Stadium was playing the Rocky theme music. It was just – it was a very fun time. Like, I, I had a blast at the game. I know that that doesn't really contribute going forward, but I just thought it was a new atmosphere for me, and I just had a hell of a time in, in that – just in that stadium on Saturday. Like, it was, it was something totally new. Right. Yeah. And then uh, you look at Maryland. I don't know what their mindset or what kind of team they're going to be coming into the game on Saturday because you made a, they made a shocking move and they brought back DJ Durkin, which, um, you know, was not popular with anybody. I think you got players walking out of the meeting with, with uh, Durkin coming back. You got, Pro Durkin players getting in fights with anti Durkin players reportedly. And then not even 24 hours later, they do what they should have done a long time ago and they just fire Durkin. <laughs> so I don't know what to expect from Maryland coming in. Yeah, I think I think that that it's gonna be a scram yeah, it's a toss up. It's gonna be scrambled. You know, who knows what's going on? They have a lot of inner conflict in that school as is, but DJ Durkin, they should they messed up. They should have just never brought him back, man. Um, someone yeah. someone died on his watch, whether he was directly involved or like he directly told the kid, kid to run or not, or through his staff, he it, it was on his watch. And um, some of the other stuff I've been hearing, like he ma- he he makes the players watch like serial killer, you know, <laughs> documentaries or movies or whatever, and then like animals fighting each other till the death, and it's just like really weird stuff so i just think he's an awkward awkward human being so um i think they really didn't you know behoove them to bring him back at all but they did and obviously they realized they made a horrible mistake um and they let him go so yeah i think they're gonna come and scrambled i don't think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna have a good mindset um uh this is just going to show you how good that interim coach is going to be because I don't even know who the guy is. Uh, you know, I've never even heard of him, so I, I can't even tell you his name. So um, it's going to be crazy to see, dude. But I think Michigan State's going to handle them. They're more organized, obviously. They they don't have inner conflict and this big old cloud hanging over their head like Maryland does right now. So I think Michigan State probably yeah. is going to win it handily. I'm hoping it's it's finally the game where they do come in. And just win big early on. You know, I'm not nervous. I'm not biting my nails. I'm hoping this is the game, you know. Right. Because not to look ahead, but next week you got Ohio State coming to town. You know, Michigan State, 
I'm not going to say they're playing for the Big Ten title because that's like a lot of ifs and buts added in. You know, they have a chance if they went out to get to 10 wins. Considering how many players have missed time with injuries, um, I think 10 wins would be quite the accomplishment for this team. Yeah, most definitely, man. Um, God, I mean, on the flip side, uh, I'd, I'd, I don't want you guys to win against Ohio State the following week because, you know, that that always – or is it a following week or a week after? I believe you guys play them. Is it two – is it's it a, if, after Maryland or uh, who do you guys – how's how's the rest of your season go? Uh, Maryland, Ohio State, Nebraska, Rutgers. Oh, okay. So I hope Nebraska loses big to Ohio State so they don't get mad and come play against us. But, but yeah, I think – I think that's what's going to need to happen for 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 Michigan State is for them to win out and for others to lose. You know, um, I think that can go either which way for anybody, especially the Wolverines. You know, with them playing uh, Penn State this weekend, this is a big game. Whether you know, you know, people like to admit, admit if they oh if they lose, it's not that big of a deal. They can still beat Ohio State, and like no, it's like this is to me is a really big test. It's the biggest test since um, uh, Wisconsin. So, you know, and they and they played good there. They played really good there. So I'm hoping they play the same way here because you got Trace McSorley, that dude's throwing over 1,600 yards this season already, 12 touchdowns, a couple picks. He's also run it for about over 600, nine, nine scores off his legs. You know, couple that with uh, Miles Sanders. He's pushing 1,000 yards. He has eight touchdowns. So, you know, they got a good dual threat right there, but he's no Saquon. And I think that Michigan's number one offense, defense coming in here is going to be able to stop Penn State. So, you know, I'm looking forward to set, watching Saturday. But, like, just like when I watched Michigan State, going into Michigan State, I'm just cautiously optimistic because, you know, Trace McSorley, everyone's saying, you no, know, he might be – you know, fraudulent, you know, he just might have been riding riding the uh, coattails of Saquon Barkley and whatever, whatnot. But I think Michigan's defense are able to stop him. I don't think they should take Trace McSorley lightly or Miles Sanders lightly at that. So I think Michigan's going to win in double digits. And, you know, you know, that's just my take on it. I don't, I, I think hopefully Tariq Black comes back, you know, Adds adds another you know element to the offense. Kareem Higdon, I think, is going to have another explosive game. I don't think there's really no stopping this kid at this moment. I think he's just your your prototypical Michigan back. You know, what I'm saying he let when he played when he against State man, he, he did not give up. He did not stop. He was diving for every single inch he could get, and like that's what I like to see. And he didn't run off at the mouth. He just got up, back up, got in the huddle. Know, got back in stance, was ready for the next stop. So I'm, I'm, I'm really pleasant, pleasantly, well, very pleased with uh, Karan Hickman. So I think Michigan State's going to win by double digits, whether it be ten to fourteen, somewhere in that range. But that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I think McSorley presents a, a different kind of test when he's healthy. Um, uh. Yeah, I think he's a proven a proven quarterback. You know, he's put up the numbers without Deshaun Hamilton and Mike Kosicki and Saquon Barkley this season. You know, I've I haven't been you know, 
when I watched Penn State and Ohio State, I thought they were far and away the two best teams in the Big Ten. And then, um, I don't know. It depends which Penn State shows up to Michigan on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's why I'm so cautiously optimistic. <laughs> right, I hear that. Yeah. I feel like Michigan has been more consistent than Penn State. And, you know, it's another it's another test, you know. Uh, like the players have said, it's another stop on the revenge tour. Um, I, I definitely think Michigan will be ready to play Penn State. Um, you know, for entertainment purposes, I hope I hope they do bring their A game and we're entertained on Saturday. Yeah, um, me personally, I hope they bring their A game and their A game just is not good enough. And that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I feel it's, it's going to happen, you know, but, you know, crazier things have happened in my time watching football. So um, it's going to be a good game. I can't wait to watch it. And I've been waiting for this game for a long, long time. I think this is one of their biggest challenges. And and if they can take, you know, their momentum that they're building, that they've been building, they've been rolling, and if they can take this and win against Penn State and then the next two games just, you know, blow out, uh, you know, I forget who it is, Rutgers and – trying a blank, but and just take that into Ohio State, you know, that's what I really, really need to see. And I feel if they win tomorrow and it's going to be Ohio State versus Michigan, it's going to be both one one loss teams and it's going to be a juggernaut battle for the Big Ten. And um, that's exciting for me to watch, especially on a four-day weekend. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. Thanksgiving uh, right. So, uh, yeah. That that's where I'm at with Michigan. I I think double digits, ten to fourteen points. I would if they go more, <laughs> you know, please keep keep it rolling. But yeah, that's where I'm at with Michigan right now. I hear that. Um, I feel kind of bad. <laughs> I feel like a bad um uh, podcast co-host because for the second week in a row, I didn't watch the Lions game. I was busy with family stuff again. But uh, I felt like the Lions had a chance to really prove that they were moving in the right direction against a Seahawks team that's kind of middling, average-ish. And um, I haven't watched a single snap from the game, but, you know, I've looked at the stats. I've heard people talk about it. Sounds like a classic Lions blunder to me, you know. It sounds pretty underwhelming. Yeah, it was pretty underwhelming. Russell uh, – I wanted to call him Russell Westbrook for a minute. Russell Wilson just <laughs> – was absolutely a stud, dude. He he missed three passes on 17 attempts. You know, threw less than Stafford, got more touchdowns, made less attempts, got less yards, but got more touchdowns, no picks. Stafford, you know, th- threw his 40, you know, 300-something yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Um, you know, carry on, didn't, didn't rush so good. Snacks. Harrison, the new acquirer we had, he had seven tackles, one sack. He played really good. But to me, to me, and I'm going to break this down, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to gripe about it. I've griped about it since our kid. The cornerbacks on the Lions have been too small. We have small cornerbacks that are just not fast enough, dude. You know what I'm saying? Russell, Russell threw to David Moore for a touchdown. Do you know who David Moore is? Ed Dixon. Ed Dixon. <laughs> got, who? who? I would consider myself an avid NFL fan, and David Moore is not ringing a bell right now. Right. What about Ed Dixon? Ed Dixon? Yes. Tight end? 
Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, people might know. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Lockett. Yeah, we know Tyler Lockett is right. But those are the three guys he's throwing like, to. It's kind of like NFL pass catcher hangman right now. You know? Right. That's what exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, and Ed Dixon isn't like the premier tight end to be tossing to, but they're making it work. You know what I'm saying? And and Russell. Oh, well, Russell doesn't have the arm. Well, good enough to throw three touchdowns and 250 yards. I'll take that at any time, you know what I'm saying? And plus he did some with his legs, you know? Yeah. You know, our, yeah. our, our cornerbacks, if you think about it, Slay is like they give – he's six foot even. They're probably they're probably giving him an inch, you know what I'm saying? Nevin Lawson on the other end, five foot nine. You got he, – he's going up against six foot two, six foot four wide receivers, six foot wide receivers. He's not going to be able to bang with them. If you look back and you see the, the, the throws that were thrown – by Russell, they were like inches from being either picked, knocked down, or something. But it was it was fractions, fractions of a, in, in, inches, dude. Not even just because they were just they're just two small cornerbacks. They're not they're not fast. East Tabor runs like a four six forty. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. same thing with Quinn back there. They're not that fast of. Of, of a back unit. They got Slay, who's, you know, he's six foot. I'll, we'll give him that inch. Fine. Okay. He's six foot, and he's fast. We got it. Cool. Never lost his fast. Short. They're not able to bang with these prototypical wide receivers, man. It's just like, to me, these wide receivers are like stretch fours in the NBA. You get what I'm saying? Now, yeah. oh, they can take on a guard. You know what I'm saying? They can take on a cornerback. You know what I'm saying? And, and and do the same thing you do, but a lot taller, you know, and there'll be the Lions problem. It'll always be the Lions problem. They don't focus on bigger hybrid cornerbacks and everyone says, oh, it don't matter. It matters to me. That's that's my opinion. Ever since I've been watching the Lions 30 years, we've had small backs, not that big of backs. And I want to see bigger backs, dude. I want to see bigger cornerbacks. I want to see better, bigger defensive backs, stronger defensive backs. I want a Cam Chancellor type in the back and as a safety too, you know. And like that's would be my biggest focus. But we've never, we never, never, never highly addressed the defensive back unit, and it pisses me off every year. And that's what I think our biggest problem is. is our biggest problem. You can have someone like Russell Wilson come and throw. 14 of 17 on you, three touchdowns. He's not that quarterback that's going to do that, you know, and he's doing it. And then and, uh, and then you got coupled with Carson, who's running 100-plus yards on you and getting the score. There, you, you open it up for Wilson, I mean, uh, for Russell. You open it up for him, dude. You know what I'm saying? They got that running game going. They are revoir, man. That's it, dude. He's gonna he's he's gonna tear you apart because you don't know what's going down. Because if Carson's doing it with his feet, Russell's doing it with his feet, and he's doing it with his arm. Good night. And and it just showed us that the Lions couldn't couldn't keep up with that, or they couldn't adjust to stop that. And it was just really frustrating seeing that everyone was so hyped for this game. So yeah. Joe, you probably did yourself a, a service by not watching it. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like it, man. Um, and, you know, the Lions news doesn't stop on Sunday right at the trade deadline. Shipped Golden Tate to Philly for a third-round pick. And um, it's kind of conflicting with the move they made to get Snacks Harrison, you know. Sna- getting Harrison that was for a fifth-rounder, I thought that was kind of a win-now move. But then 
shipping Tate out for a third rounder was kind of a building for the future move. So, you know, just like the Lions always have been, I think they're stuck in the middle and they can't decide, you know? Yes and no, because I think Tate thing on this team doesn't shift the table right or left. It doesn't matter. They're they're sticking with him. They're sticking without him. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you you take away. Okay, and I want to like compare Tate to Calvin, even though Cal, uh, even though Tate got a, ch- a Super Bowl win, right? Uh, is that we took Calvin out of the equation? Stafford was forced to play a little better. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he's getting too comfortable with with Golden Tate. You look when they're throwing on third down, they need that, or they're throwing on second down, they need that three, four yards. They're doing them little quick hits to uh, to um, to Golden Tate, and then teams are going to realize that. So I don't think it tilted the table any which way. I think getting a third round for him for him is good because. We can always trade up in the draft with these, uh, uh, with these, you know, picks, you know. So I got no, I got, I got no problem with it. And it's, you know, it is what it is. I like Golden Tate. I think he's a great player. I think, I think he's a, he's a wonderful human being. I think he showed the utmost class when he left with his Twitter messages, with his love for Detroit, with his, with his, with what he wrote. I love that. I love that about players who are humble as heck and and realizes that you know it's it, it's just business sometimes. And you know he's now going on to a struggling Philadelphia Eagles team who you know just are coming back off a of Super Bowl uh, championship, man. So you know he's going to a, a rich city with rich culture, rich history. You know a good team. Obviously, this obviously it's a good team. They just trying to get their crap together. And who knows? He can be a, he can be a, you know, a, a link to that, you know, to change it up. So good for him. I'm glad I, it, it, it hurts to see him go, but either way, man, you know, most of the, most of the passes were going to Gall- Galladay and it was going to Marvin. So he can play off those guys and, you know, we can always look for a, a wide receiver in the draft. You know, I'm not, we're, we were going to have to pay Golden Tate, Buku money next next year to keep him, you know why not get something for it right now? It hurts, but I agree with it. And you know, say lovey will be will be, and I hope Stafford is pissed off because you know you know if this happened in Green Bay and Rogers would be like livid, you know that they didn't come to talk to him about one of his weapons leaving. Understandable, but you know I hope this pisses him off and he realizes that. You know nobody's safe. You know you're 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 approaching your tenth, eleventh year, homeboy. You know nobody's safe. You know, and I, and I'm glad that Quinn did something different from what the Lions would do, and then just to hold on to oh, because you know we love him. He's a nice guy, or I love Jim Caldwell, so we're gonna keep him. You know, <laughs> I I don't want I want him to get out of that mentality, and I'd like to move. So you know. It is what it is. It sucks. Golden Tate's a good person. You know, I hope he does good in Philly, and I hope, uh, you know, our move moves us f- for the near future, you know, if not yeah. um, immediately. Yeah, you know, you brought it up uh, towards the end. You know, they were either going to have to let Tate walk or pay him mega money, which you already got so much tied up in Stafford. Um, probably wouldn't have been doable. So that's 
that's another good point. Another reason why I think the trade is a win. And, you know, I think Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are still a very good tandem at wide receiver. And like you said, it's time for Stafford to step up because I think that was one of his favorite targets. He's He's got the nickname, you know, the yards after catch king. He's the king of yards after the catch. Right. Um, yeah, I definitely like the move. I think, you know, I don't think you like. I don't think Tate on this roster. No offense to him, I don't think he makes a huge difference. Like you said, sinking with him, sinking without. So you might as well get a third. And I think a third is a very good pick to get in that. And you look at the trades they made. You know, basically they traded Tate and a fifth for Harrison and a third. I think they won that hands down on both sides. Right. Right, and and what what got what got me is before the trade deadline, they like two hours before the trade deadline, they restructured Marvin Jones's deal, you know, to to save two two point two million something like that off the cap. So you're thinking like, oh, are they getting somebody else? You know, what do they got in the bet? And then like the trade deadline ends, it's like, why? What what was the point of restructuring his deal like two hours before the trade deadline? Were they trying to do something and they couldn't do it? So they were just like, we're going to keep it. Maybe they they got a trade shut down somewhere. Like they tried to offer Marvin or something like that. And uh, somebody else wasn't biting. Right, right. Right, right. But at least, you know, we, I never, we never hear, of Lions, you know, personnel that are probably the best, you know, one of the best weapons on the team, you know, go like that. It's not, it's, it's unprecedented here in Detroit football, but it is what it is. I like to see the move. If they beat the Seahawks, I don't think the trade happens. I think it does. I, I, I honestly think it's still, it still happens because, See, I think if if you're sitting at four and three, right now they're in fourth place in the division, but it's a very tight race right now. You know, having that win over Seattle puts you at four and three, and I think that makes them, you know, second or third in the division behind Chicago or something like that. I think I don't I don't know the numbers exactly. Right, but um, but but what it still boils so down to is they they got you're gonna need every weapon possible. Right, so they. Probably wouldn't have been buyers and like looking to add anyone else but i don't i don't think the trade happens because then i think you know just being four and three versus three and four makes such a difference going forward in your mindset about this season you know right but i still think that what's on the forefront of everybody's mind there is this is still a business and i'm not gonna pay a 30 year old wide receiver this much money, I don't think he's worth it when we can just get something for him now, opposed to letting right. him just walk away. So I think I think that has the biggest thing to do with it. That's an interesting point. Fair point. I mean, we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know. know the Lions did lose that game, and I think the playoffs are a dream at this moment. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Look talking about people getting booted um johnny depp will not reprise his role as captain jack sparrow not really his choice um we're seeing on disney choosing to reboot pirates of the caribbean um i'm kind of interested to see how they reboot it like is captain jack sparrow even going to be like a character in this reboot are they going to have like the same characters same storylines on and on and on like um yeah but I just wanted to get your take on Johnny Depp 
having put on his Captain Jack outfit for the last time. All right. for, first of all, I want to read what this uh, uh, guy was saying about, I think he was, his name's Stuart Beatty's or a writer or whatever. He thinks that he's like, I think it was a great run. Obviously he's made the character his own. It's become the character he's most famous for now. And kids all over the world love him as his character. So I think it's been great for him. But I think it's been great for us. So I'm very happy about it. I think Sparrow will be his legacy. It's the only character he's played five times. It's the character he dresses up to visit children in hospitals. It's what he'll be remembered for. Before Jack came along, Depp was considered that kind of quirky, independent actor and made these really cool little Tim Burton films. But he was no, he, but, but he was by no means a movie star, and a lot of people thought we were crazy for casting him at that time because he wasn't proven, he wasn't a proven commodity, you know, a big movie star. And he goes on, and I just got to say, what kind of bullcrap is that? To tell me that Johnny Depp wasn't a big movie star until he did Pirates of the Caribbean? Are you freaking kidding Edward me? Man. What? Edward Scissorhands. Right. Benny jo- Thank you. Keep on going. What's he been eating Gilbert Grape? What? He didn't. He, that yeah. wasn't a great movie? Yeah, I, I, I hate. You can keep going. You can keep going with Johnny Depp. He's a great flipping actor. Pirates of the Caribbean did, did not make Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp made Pirates of the Caribbean. And as Look. a and as a kid who went to California a lot when I was younger, I would always we would always go to Disneyland and I would always go on Pirates of the Caribbean ride. That was my favorite freaking ride, the original one in Anaheim, California, not the one in Florida. And we'd go through there, and at the one of the very last legs of it, there's a there's a captain, and he's talking to you like escape this this, this, and that so you know like that to me when they when they came out with Pirates of the Caribbean I made it synonymous with this guy whether it was whether it was you know part of the movie or not or inspiration or not it it, it, to me it was synonymous with this guy was like oh this was the only pirate that really talked to you through the whole you know um ride so that's Jack Sparrow to me you know it's kind of meant something to me take him away from it you're taking Jack Sparrow away from Pirates of the Caribbean. Good luck, Disney. I hope you flop. And I'm, I'm and, and I'm not the biggest Johnny Depp fan, but I'm not the biggest fan right. of dropping people just because you want to switch up the franchise because, oh, we think it's getting stale, so we're just going to drop you, Jack Sparrow. You know, like, it's just stupid. I'm, I'm done. I, I, like, I, I want to watch it because I want to see if it's any good, but I, I have the strongest, 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 feeling that it's just going to flop and I hope it does. And look, I think uh, what the writer was saying, or at least how I took that quote is taking the role of uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. I think it made Johnny Depp more marketable to, uh, you know, like family types. Cause he was in those Tim Burton movies or um, those different kinds of movies, you know, the quirky types a lot more often than not. I thought, and you know, I'm, I was seven years old when I saw him play Captain Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And that was, I mean, obviously I wasn't a huge um, movie critic at the time being seven, but um, that was the first time I really took notice of Johnny Depp. And it was after that, that, you know, I saw Benny and June and I was like, Oh shit, that's Captain Jack Sparrow. You know, Um, it's, it's definitely the end of an era, but I feel like the last three 
Pirates of the Caribbean movies were all supposed to be the last ones. But then a couple years down the road, they're like, yeah, hey, let's make another one and another one, you know? Yeah, and that, like, boils all down to writing, too, then, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the first ones, the first few got Oscar nods, you know, Oscar nominations for Depp and everything. It's like, good luck. Good luck finding someone that's going to be able to take over that. I, I, I really don't right. feel like they're going to. I really don't feel like they can. And, like, knowing nowadays... That's, that's, why, I wonder, that's why I wonder if uh, there's, there's not even going to be a Captain Jack Sparrow character in the reboot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Who would take that role? <laughs> Not me, <laughs> right? And who, who's gonna be able, who's gonna be good enough to take that? Johnny Depp aced it. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. He aced it. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, it's sure. like Johnny Depp just got Roseanne. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's it just it's just, it's not gonna be Jack Sparrow. It's gonna be Sparrows, the Sparrows. You know? But I did see um, who Disney was targeting was uh, the writers for Deadpool. Uh, Rhett Reese and Paul uh, Wernick, I think. I saw, I saw that as well. I saw that as well. So that could throw a whole new link into it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because, right. uh, you know, we love Deadpool. Yeah, it, I think it was the people that uh, it wasn't the people that uh, wrote some of the J.K. Rowling's movies too. The the Fantastic Beasts. Beast. Yeah, I think it's those those two those same writers. So hey. You know, it, it could be something awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like if they do not address at least, at least, fine, fine, I'll, I'll cave in a little bit. If at least address why or where Captain Sparrow is or what has happened to him, acknowledge the acknowledge the character. You know what I'm saying? Don't right. just you know. And I, I don't know. I think it's a bummer. I I, I like Captain Jack Sparrow. I think uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales is pretty good. I like them all. You know, but that's just the geek in me. That's just my love for uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean all my life going to, you know, Disneyland. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a shot. But if it flops, we're probably going to know why. I ain't going to cry no tears for him. Right. That's definitely true. Yeah. All right, man. I think we got to everything we wanted. Um. Next time we take the mic, we're gonna we may have some college basketball to talk about. I know MSU plays Kansas Tuesday night. I'm so excited for that game. Uh, number one Jayhawks. I'm excited to to watch that. Isn't this the classic? Wow. Isn't this the Champions Classic? Champions Classic. So not only that, but uh, Duke and Kentucky right after. Oh, uh, you know, fuck what, Duke. I don't give a shit. Right. What day is that? Say. Uh, it's Tuesday. November 6th, this upcoming Tuesday. Oh, sweet. And I'm off for voting. So I'm going to vote and watch that. Oh, it's great. Wonderful. Maybe we, tips we, off. Maybe, we can do a, maybe we can do a cast right after that. Yeah, I'm all for it. You know, right after uh, that, fresh in their minds. Yeah. You got to see the new Halloween movie because um, it, it, I just I don't, I don't want to say anything. But, you know, very well put together movie. And then uh, we can have Mike back on our podcast talk about some horror. Hey, Mike can come back anytime, bro. I, I love having people on there. I love picking people's brains, have them pick mine. You know, no zombie intended. Uh, so uh, yeah, dude, this is this has been great. But um, yeah, I think we covered it all, Joe. All right, man. All right, it's been real, brother. Spiritual Radio. I'm Sash, and I'm Joe. Brought to yeah. you by Farbar. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.